Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy. And today we have a story from Tiffany from Nashville. I have known Tiffany for quite a while, and years ago, she shared her story of Freedom's Promise, which you're going to hear about right now, right when Storytellers was but a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, in this time where we're asking different people to record their story, she came to mind as someone who just has a really powerful Mm -hmm. story. I think it's a great story for the church to hear. At this time, we titled it um, From Religion to Relationship. She really challenged me as far as prioritizing time with Jesus and being intentional about my worship. So I can't wait for our listeners to hear her story. Yes. So we hope you enjoy Tiffany. Here she is. We have a fun question for you. If you had an extra two hours every day for the next week, what would you do? Hmm. I think I'm going sleep. (laughs) Yes. Do you envision yourself being more productive or relaxing or getting to that personal hobby that you've never had time for? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Relaxing. This sounds like a dream, but actually we can make it a reality for women around the world. It's estimated that women and girls spend over 200 million hours every single day walking to gather water. Water that is often unsafe and harmful to drink. I can't imagine. No, it's so it's so hard to imagine. Uh, and we, that's why we're so proud to partner with Never Thirst. They're working in some of the most difficult regions on our planet to restore hours back to women and girls and build clean water projects in their communities. We invite you to partner with women in need. Giving $25 a month or even $250 a month opens the door to equip families with access to clean and living water. Join their giving community today at neverthirstwater.org backslash storytellers or visit the link in our show notes. Join us in partnering with Neverthirst. Well, hello everyone. As Robin said, I am Tiffany Atkinson and I'm so honored to be with all of you. I wish we could be in person and I could read your expressions, um, you know, during this time together. I'm really praying that that whatever it is that I share today, that the Lord just uses this to touch place um, deep in your heart, maybe your mind or your body. And and I've also just really prepared for this morning, to be honest. I don't take it lightly when I get to share any part of my testimony or what God has done. It's just, it is such an honor to be able to be a voice for Him, um, especially to those who have not actually encountered Him. Um, as the person of the living God. So just thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and I look forward to this next this next bit of time. What my intentions are this morning is really just to share a bit of my history so you know who I am and where I've come from, and then share my encounter with the Lord that happened five years ago that changed everything. And uh, honestly, when There's so many details and um, stories I could share, but my prayer is that the Lord just highlights exactly what it is that each of you need to know, um, especially for the time that we are in right now. Oh my goodness, it is wild. And I find myself constantly saying, uh, I cannot believe I get to be alive right now. I cannot believe I get to be alive right now. And yet I realize that so many people actually don't feel that way. So many people are stuck in a place of real darkness, real isolation, a lot of pain, a lot of questioning, uh, not just the safety net that they thought that 
um, that, that we've all been in with government or, you know, the world or our health, um, our family, but all of that has been really torn to pieces this last season. And, and so my hope today is that if you are one of those, like a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I, I do stop and talk with that, that even though I might be having um, excitement of seeing Jesus in manifesting in a lot of um, the chaos right now, but if you're one of those that has felt isolated um, or just withdrawn or just dark, that you come out at the end of our time today, just feeling the light of the Lord um, and feeling like you've encountered Jesus. So, um, okay. So a bit of background of myself. I am the oldest of four girls, was born in Minnesota, but raised in Northwest Georgia, specifically Dalton, Georgia. And uh, from the time that I was young, I found myself loving to lead people. I mean, I would have my neighborhood group um, with their bikes dressed uh, or decorated exactly how it is I wanted them decorated. And we would go wherever it was I wanted to go in the neighborhood and they followed, which was amazing. And I think most of that was just because I had three little sisters who followed me. But it really set me up. Um, currently, I oversee a ministry uh, called Freedom's Promise. We're on the prevention side of human trafficking and child exploitation. Um, And I have a staff that is mostly women. We've got 70 staff members in Southeast Asia and about 10 of us here with a lot of contractors. And I think we basically have like two men over here. The rest of them are women. I believe in the empowerment and the equipping of women and I don't mind all of our drama. Um, I love to talk about good communication and how to move through all of that. But uh, the Lord really, really uh, built me up from that from the get-go. So I was raised, I would also like to talk today about not just my background of experience, but also how I was raised in the church. Um, Because it's very significant, I feel like, to a lot of us who did grow up um, in maybe the south area, the southern of the United States. So. I was raised in a very liberal um, Presbyterian church that gave us great community, but not a lot of biblical foundation. And my parents, having been from the North, came from a Lutheran background. And so we were all just, you know, we knew that Jesus was real. We believed in God and we're doing our best, but really didn't understand what it looked like to encounter a living being. Um, did, uh, just went through high school, made plenty of mistakes. I hope none of you are my high school friends. If you are, I'm sorry. And, um, then went to Auburn where I met my husband, Jeb, and went to nursing school there, undergrad there, and then graduate school. A few years later, after graduating from Auburn, went, went, um, to nursing school at Vanderbilt and got my advanced practice degree. So we moved to Nashville as soon as I graduated, um, from college in 2003 And immediately I found myself um, being able to serve in two areas, just being a nurse and having a heart for people. And I just found that I was really drawn to the people who were hurting. I wanted to be part of the ones who were really in pain. And so I entered into an 11 year, uh, 11 year career of pediatric oncology nursing. And during this time, those patients that, um, that were admitted to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital uh, were very, very sick if they were on my unit. There were multiple areas they could have been admitted to, but if they were on my particular unit, they were very sick. 
And if a family was dealing with end of life care for one of their children, if I was present in the hospital, most often I was granted the privilege of being part of that child's passing from earth to heaven. A lot of things happened during that time when I was at the hospital. We, I learned how to answer and respond to really tough questions about God. Where is God in childhood cancer? Um, believing that it is from Satan himself, the devil. Uh, how do we find God? Where is God in child death? And um, how do we make a difference in this? And so through those 11 years, I just poured myself into scripture as needed to be able to answer really tough um, questions. But then in the natural as well, um, when a child would pass away, it was one of the most heartbreaking, but also incredible experiences because heaven does not wait for a child to come to it. It absolutely invades the room. And I was exposed during that time um, to the supernatural. And when I say supernatural, it was um, children who were passing away, sitting up, seeing uh, their loved ones that they knew were in heaven or seeing certain animals come to the room to welcome them just sitting up and saying, I see that person, I see this person. Or, and the parents would just, honestly, they would lose it because they knew that these um, people or these special animals were helping usher this child into the arms of Jesus. And so we would see this with every death in some way or another would see the supernatural manifest. Um, we've seen miraculous healings in the hospital as well. P children that we thought would not... Um, live did and had miraculous turnarounds and pretty much every situation that i encountered during that time when we stopped and asked the lord to show up um, for that family whether they were believers in jesus or not he did and so that was just an incredible training time for myself and then in order to take a break and a breather from the intensity of uh, pediatric oncology nursing, I pursued my passion of international travel. I loved going to other countries. The first time I went was when I was 14 years old and found myself during my young 20s um, leading groups to the Amazon River, been to Africa, all over South America, just really wanted to travel and experience the world um, through serving as a nurse and through medical missions. And Honestly, never really thought I would leave um, the Amazon area because I loved it so much. And it was very easy to get to, which brings us to around um, 2007 when I met for the first time who ended up becoming one of my best friends and a woman that I would follow anywhere. Her name is Amber. And she had worked for my husband as an uh, office assistant for several years at his company. And she had presented this idea. Remember, this is back in 2007. Trafficking was not the taboo subject. You were hardly allowed to even talk about this. But she had had an experience with the Lord where he called her out of her desk job, out of being a mom, um, into serving him through the prevention side of human trafficking and child exploitation, the starting place, Cambodia. So I had um, lunch with her after my husband asked me to, and she is telling me this issue of child trafficking. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. The kids I experienced, they might be suffering physically, but they're pretty protected. And anyway, she said, well, um, it's real. And I said, well, what can I do to help you? And she asked for Jeb and myself to go with her to Cambodia to see. So we hopped on a plane and during this first trip to Cambodia, I remember even before I went being like, I don't even know why Cambodia. I don't even really know any people from Asia. I don't feel called here, but I wanted to see more of the world. 
when we were exiting the airport for the first time of multiple times during that trip, my husband, who is very um, Caucasian, very white, stands out in, in Asia, blonde hair, freckles, um, was started to be approached by children. And being on the side of seeing children in their innocence, we would engage with them. And then the words that would come out of their mouth were atrocious, offering themselves to him for sex. And um, this issue of trafficking became very real. So we went around the country, started trying to figure out how to help the ministry of Freedom's Promise. It wasn't even a 501c3 yet. But I came home and I realized I was sitting back at work after that trip at Vanderbilt. And I was watching these beautiful bald head children skipping down the hallway. And I realized that how really how much energy it takes for a child to skip. And I realized that I had not seen that or the light of joy from a child in the eyes of the children in Cambodia and that we had to do something. So um, like a good raised Christian girl at this point, I'm um, a member of a Baptist church, large Baptist church here that really was teaching scripture really well. Um, but still I was acting in a place of pride and self-focus and just, I need to be doing all of this stuff. I'm the one that needs to be helping and handling everything. Um, entered into an additional ministry of serving him through Freedom's Promise. And that lasted for a while, just me volunteering. I had two, my two girls during that time, Ella, who is now about to be 11, and Ren, who is about to be eight. Um, again, a couple more females in my life, which I adore but added them um, into our mix and um, was really careful, honestly, like going into the darkness and then being able to pull back so I could be a good mom. Because when you start dealing with this issue of child trafficking and exposure and things that are really yucky, um, it can really kind of take you to a dark place. So I would engage in whatever area I needed to, but really try to focus on my children during this time. And in 2012, we that Amber was just not being herself. And she is one of those people that I would talk to multiple times a day. And we asked her eventually just to take a sabbatical, to take a breather. She was acting as founder and executive director of Freedom's Promise. And we asked her to take a break for about six months. And during that time, she just started really seeking the Lord and trying to um, get her life back in track. And uh, our interim executive director did a decent job. He's one of my good friends, but ended up doing most of the work. And at the end of that year, Amber had asked to not come back into the role. And I started hearing a verbal, like hearing the Lord's voice in my sleep um, when I was out grocery shopping, not even paying attention at all or thinking about him, started hearing very clearly that I was to move into this role as overseeing this ministry. So after two weeks of saying, no, thank you, God, I've got enough on my plate. Um, I did finally have a friend that had also heard the same thing and she confronted me in a beautiful way. And so I said, yes, to the Lord. And in 2013, I started overseeing this ministry. And this is where my personal testimony really um, started becoming quite, looking back on it, quite intense. Here I am, a good um, church going girl who likes to lead. Um, who has education in nursing and experience in nursing and an identity, honestly, in that being called out by the Lord to do something that made me quite uncomfortable, feeling like I was uh, very 
not equipped. <laughs> and yet I'd heard from him. And so the way that I handled this was for about the first two years of this leadership time was honestly just trying to be as busy as I possibly could was exhausting myself, exhausting my husband. I'm certain of it. He's too kind to probably admit it. Um, so busy. I'd be going to church and they, they, my children and husband would just be wanting to engage with me and I'd be on my phone. Tick, 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 tick. I've got to handle things. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. During this time, a couple of things happened that started to really, uh, ended up pulling me really back toward the Lord. The first was that, uh, it turns out what was going wrong with Amber, um, was that her husband was actually molesting children. And he ended up being arrested and is serving 25 years in jail for molesting some family members, um, some of the little girls. And walking through that with them has been one of the, um, especially with Amber, has been one of the greatest privileges of my life and my husband's life and also one of the hardest things that we've ever done. Because now we have the founder of Freedom's Promise, husband, actually doing exactly what it is that we're trying to prevent. And he was a friend of ours. So we're also are out now praying and trying to get his, get him with the Lord. And how does this look walking through this with a friend who is now in jail for um, the exact thing that we're fighting for. The other thing that happened is the busier that I got without knowing it, I dug a hole in a pit. I really put myself into because I believe that there were people who wanted to walk life with me, who wanted to help me, who really wanted to not just work for me and work with me, but wanted to really be a support system. And I was too prideful and had too much um, need to control things that I ended up in this pit by myself with no way to get out. And so I kept um, trying to enroll in different biblical classes. How do I get what's in the Bible into action for myself. Because remember, I had seen the supernatural manifest that had always been on my international mission trips and it had been in uh, the hospital workplaces. So I had compartmentalized God accidentally. I thought, oh, he works here and he works there. But when it comes to me in my life, everything that I have right now is all, all that I really can have, which is a really good life. Um, a lot of security in my life, but I just felt like I wasn't supposed to ask for more and nor, nor did I really listen to people who were trying to tell me to ask for more on August, um, early August of 2015, I was walking with my youngest daughter, Ren. She tripped and fell and a nerve popped in my back that was so painful that I ended up um, on my couch for days, a meal train was started for me by my friends because I couldn't even be touched, much less cook meals. Ended up in the emergency room. Multiple doctors telling me that with this type of nerve involvement, um, pinched nerve and muscle involvement, I was looking at a minimum of six weeks recovery. Possible surgery. A few things happened on the couch. One is all of a sudden my children were happy because their mom was sitting down and not so busy. Another thing was that my husband felt needed because I wasn't running around taking control. And turns out Freedom's Promise was just fine without me. I had hired some really great people who um, still to this day lead beautifully, putting the Lord first. But the best thing that happened while I was on the couch is that I had time with the Lord. And honestly, for the first time in my life, I sat there and, and I just told him I was sorry because if I was to be honest, through the past years of working for him well and doing it truly all for him, 
all he was asking me to do was spend time with me, spend time with me. And I'd say, but God, I'm too busy. I'm doing all of this for you. I don't have time to spend time with you. And when I was on the couch for those, um, for that really just a week, honestly, um, what ended up happening with being healed, but, um, he just, he just came and he started to make me hungry for scripture again, hungry for worship, but the Holy spirit led me into repentance first. And of everything I've been through, it's honestly the key was softening my heart, laying down my need to have it all together and to know everything and to just repent and come to the cross and just say, I'm sorry for my busyness and I'm sorry for my control. Will you help me? And it wasn't a second later that he started giving me peace. It was so easy. So I get up from the couch after a few days of ice and heat and a lot of Advil. And I went to um, this conference that was in town that had quite a few of the international missionaries that I follow and really respect who happened to be there. And I kept saying to my family, well, maybe I'll get healed. And I was in a breakout session, quite unhappy to be in this breakout session. So there's about 300 people. I did not know anybody in the room and the chairs were wooden and I was in extreme pain. (laughs) And because they made us move to the middle of the rows to make room for other people, I was stuck in the middle. So I couldn't leave because I did not want to get called out for leaving early. And luckily at the very end of this breakout session of this conference, they called up a team of people who really love to pray. Those like, we say the word prophetic, but a lot of people don't really know what that means, but it's hearing the word, um, the words of the Lord and hearing his heart for people and just speaking it out loud. And I was the second one that they called out and I felt God's hand come on the top of my head as this um, tall man just said, there is some in this room who has this type of pain. He described my pain and the Lord is going to heal you. And being right by, by myself, I felt God's hand come on my head and heat went through my entire body. And I was healed on the spot and I walked out of that conference and I got mad because all of a sudden I realized everything that was in the Bible that I had gone after and really needed for my life and for those that were in my life and for those that I was leading was right there. But all people had ever really done in my life was beautifully teach scripture, but not tell me how to get into action. I'm like, everything here is true. Everybody needs to know about this. Um, Kind of wrap up my encounter with the Lord. Some of the most incredible months followed. Um, That was probably some of the hardest because I had a lot of people in my life who were really um, adamant in keeping God in the box that they had him in. But they also knew me and they knew that that, um, our relational equity really mattered. Um, So they were trying to listen, but it was a lot of back and forth and a lot of being accused of honestly being crazy. I went to September that year. And at this point, I was about 14 years into leading groups internationally. Um, I knew what to expect and I knew the emotions. And um, but I did something different this time. And I told our group, we had a pretty large group of medical professionals with us. And I said, let's just give God a chance to be God. Let's give excellent medical care like we do. This is in Cambodia. But let's also let him be God and let's pray for people. Let's pray for healing. And we had what has now to this day started one healing after the other, after the other. Now I am a nurse, advanced practice nurse. And if people accuse me of just going with the flow, when somebody tells me a supernatural story, I want proof. Like I want the science behind it. I like to see it manifest. And every single time, 
um, these last few years, especially that blind eyes have opened or that um, we'll see a back straighten out or wounds disappear and huge goiters from necks go away and people start walking. I am still to this day shocked, to be honest. Like we serve a God who is so amazing, who is so alive. But it was, it was quite surprising on his first, first trip to Cambodia, um, calling in for supernatural healing. The other things that happened is, is I would be praying and um, praying for healing. And I only speak one language. I only speak English. But I would be praying, praying. And all of a sudden, my words would switch over to tongues. Now, I'm Baptist. And I make a good Baptist at this point. I would cover my mouth and just stop talking. So I was like, I'm going to get kicked out of the church for this. Like, I think I could get in trouble. But each night when things like that would happen, I would, I would stay awake with the Holy Spirit and he would tell me things and um, I would Google the scripture reference. And sure enough, all of these gifts, everything that the Lord wanted me to ask for and go for right there in scripture, I just was never released to go for it. So as soon as I saw it there, and I am a Bible-believing Christian, I went after all of it. Because being a leader, I knew I wanted everything that the Lord could give me to equip me. I wanted it all. At the very end of that trip, this is in 2015, for the first time, I really submitted myself before the Lord and before trusted friends and leaders, and they put their hands on me. And I had never had prayer like that before, but I went down on my knees, and everybody in the room disappeared. And um, Jesus showed up and this one experience was just as real as having my children. I'll stake my life on it, but he showed up and he wrapped me up and he told me a few things I needed to know about some of the hard times that I had been through in marriage, you know, with Amber and our friend with different things. And it happened in seconds, but then he looked me in the eyes and he said, you have experienced all of this, the signs, the miracles, the wonders, because you are called to revival of my church bring it home. So in 2015, I was on my plane ride home making a PowerPoint for my Baptist church about the gifts of the spirit, hoping that I wouldn't get kicked out. And um, because I came home to a lot of warfare, uh, our marriage needed to be redefined. Jeb needed his own encounter with the Lord of which happened about six months after um, mine, praise the Lord. But it was a very hard time. And when I got home, we had nowhere else to go but to our Baptist church for help. And instead of showing my PowerPoint, <laughs> I just shared my testimony. And I would watch these men who, and women too, one staff member after the other, one group of people after the other, when I would share my story because I could not hold it back of what Jesus had done, that they would just start crying or they'd say, I want that. And I would be able to pray for a lot of them to, and Jeb jokes about it now, but he'd be like, oh, <laughs> that was completely opposite of what I wanted. Um, but we, we, what we have seen uh, these last five years is the continual choice to soften our hearts before the Lord. Just when I think I know what he's going to do or what he wants to do, he asked me to redirect or to soften or to, hey, can you cancel that full day of meetings and actually spend time with me? I'm not always perfect at it, but I, I do redirect very quickly now because he's built my trust. And if I can encourage any of us today, every time I'm in front of whether it's one person or hundreds sharing my testimony or sharing who Jesus is, my encouragement is first of all to soften our hearts. 
And secondly, to, to be willing to repent, repentance in front of the cross. It's not scary. It's not mean. We serve such a beautiful father who, to me, all he wanted was for me to come and just kneel before him and let him bless me. And I look at my children now, my girls, and I look, and when they're so busy and they're running around and I can sense that, that they might just need some time with me as a parent to them or even as an aunt to my niece and nephew, what I'll do is I'll sit down. And if I sit long enough, just like the father sits and those children come to me, all of a sudden their demeanor changes because they see that they're known, that they're loved, that they're being listened to. I'm able to speak into them and give them the love they need. And it's the same way with us. I feel like he just sits there and waits for us to come. And right now, you know, at the time that we're in, um, gosh, everything in this year, everything in 2020 has been turned upside down. <laughs> um, nothing's really as it was in 2019. And the reason I say I'm so excited to be alive right now is because I see the Lord um, just sitting there waiting. I'm sitting here, though, the Lord's sitting there. So what I see the opposite happening at times is Satan in his um in his desire to really take a hold of us and not let us into the arms of the father. He's saying, Hey, you need to stay isolated. You need to stay by yourself. You need to um, not see people. People don't want to see you. And none of that is true. And so my encouragement to all of us today, just, you know, as females, or even if there are um, males listening is just to, to take a deep breath. And to realize that this darkness and this isolation that, that is legitimately happening in the world, like it's a lot of chaos, doesn't need to affect us coming in um, with a soft heart to the Father, to Jesus, and you know, just spending time with them, what it is that they, what they want to bring to us during this time. So um, I would love to just kind of wrap up everything. Um, First of all, by saying and encouraging all of us to just get hungry, um, hungry for the Lord, hungry for more of what he has. Secondly, I say this to pretty much every group that I talk to, but it's really time that we prioritize time with Jesus. And I say um, just an encouragement to stop canceling on the king. When we get him into our calendars, um, I have him scheduled, honestly, during multiple times during the week. And people will say, are you free on Wednesday? And I'll say, I am not. I'm so busy. And really what I'm doing is I'm planning intentional worship or listening to a sermon or going for a walk and buying the Lord in. And the darkness that even I fight still, I still feel it. There are mornings I wake up and I'm like, oh, what is this? I'm anxious or <laughs> feel depressed. But that darkness lifts. And you are worth it. I'm worth it um, to just spend that intentional time. So if I could end by reading one of my favorite scriptures and praying um, for those who are listening, I would just, I would really love to do that. But a few months ago, I felt that I was, I was honestly had gotten out of my routine with the Lord and not going to church has been hard for me, not seeing people who are um, give me strength and my walk has been hard. And I found that I was just, I was kind of dead, honestly, on the inside. I just felt blah, like no energy for Jesus. And again, I, I redirect pretty well now because I've been through a lot, but 
But I remember going to, to the Lord one morning and I went out for a walk by myself. And I just, again, I said, I was sorry. I'm really, really sorry, Lord. And I feel like I've let you down. I feel like I've dropped my um, routine and things that I know are important because it, it gives you space and time in my life. And I immediately just felt the Lord say in my heart, I could hear it in my mind, but really felt it in my heart. He was like, I will always forgive you. Thank you for coming back. It's okay. I remember just crying because my heart softened again. And I pray all the time, no matter what darkness I'm in, whether it's child trafficking or, um, you know, seeing children who are really physically hurting or adults who are emotionally hurting or physically hurting, I want my heart to stay soft. And so feeling that softening and, and that darkness to lift, it was amazing. But shortly after that afternoon, actually, I received this verse um, from one of my trusted friends. It's from Song of Songs, uh, chapter four, verse six, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. But this has been my cry for him during this time and keeping that first bridal love. Like, I want my flame going right now. We don't have time to waste anymore. I want it when the Lord shows up in his glory for me to be like, yes, my oil's been full. Like, and I want all of ours to be that. I want it for everybody. So this has been a verse that I have repeated over and over again. I've made up my mind until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. In spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you the mountain of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. Yes. I will be your bride. And so as we end, just pray, Father, God, I thank you for this time set aside, Lord. I ask Jesus that you just enter into every home or car um, or outdoor space, wherever each person listening is right now. I ask that you handle any attack of the enemy that they've had. If it's been doubt of your love or even of your existence, I ask that you help fight that. I ask, Lord, that you... Um, reach out to the lowest demon, to the highest principality, and that you just clear the air around um, my sister, my brother. I ask that you just clear the air around them. And as you take a deep breath and as the darkness lifts, I ask God that you bring your power and your light and your love um, into each of our hearts and our minds. Direct us, guide us, let us know where it is that you want our time and our focus. And Lord, I just ask that you help us from the distractions of the world right now. And God, I thank you especially for that first love. It is so important to you. And really, Jesus, it really is all about you, Lord. So wherever it is that we go and um, are seen by others, I just ask that it's you that shows up through our words and through our love, even the small acts of pulling our mask down to give a smile to somebody. And just ask that you show up, Lord, to build your kingdom through us. And I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope the ending of Tiffany's story encouraged you like it did me, especially having that prayer um, over us. And, and if you're like me, I hope it encouraged you to prioritize time with Jesus. I loved how she gave us the imagery of putting it in your calendar. And when somebody asks you to do something, you're busy. You're spending your time with Jesus. And then I also love the challenge that my ministry is not my relationship 
with God. I have a tendency to think spending, you know, time encouraging others in God's word is the same as spending time with him. And it just is I not. totally agree. I, when I recorded this story with her, I actually felt the, the same challenge of, you know, for us in the South, school has started back to an extent. We're back in routine. And it's so easy to work on storytellers all day and be a mom and yeah. be, you know, take care of your family. And then all of a sudden go, when's the last time like for me journaling is really spending time with the Lord and so I have a way to look back and go oh wow the last time I did that was two weeks ago on x date well and y'all know my story and and I talk a lot about sitting still and having to be still and really that was the time that the Lord spoke to me I mean you know Tiffany it was about compartmentalizing God I love how she used that word because sometimes we compartmentalize God here even in, oh, in, sure. in storytellers or, you know, she said for the first time, my husband felt wanted and my kids were just so happy that I was still and available. Yes. And as women, like you're saying, we get so busy, busy, busy and, and good, good church busy things right. um, that we're not in relationship with God. And y'all know I'm Baptist. And so um, <laughs> the whole Baptist line, I loved it because, you know, hey, we we don't talk about speaking in tongues and um and for her just to come back to her church prepared with the powerpoint that made me laugh so hard oh my word but yet she said i just had to share my experience because i had to i could not hold it in and i was like wow when was the last time that i couldn't hold something in that god had done for me that i had to share and that's, that really just took me back to storytellers because so many times when we're talking to our storytellers, we say it's not about teaching mm-hmm. because we can debate theology all day long. But what you can't debate is how your personal experience with the Lord, when he does something for you personally that you can't explain, that you can't understand, but yet you know that it's happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I, I, my prayer for anyone that listened to Tiffany's story is just, you know, what is maybe... Just ask God for a little more of him. And and I felt like that's what she was doing all along her journey. And, and hers was speaking in tongues. I mean, you know, a little more of God might be, Lord, I want to hear you. Or a little more of God might be reading a book of the Bible that you've never read before or a chapter or something. Lord, I just want to experience a little bit more of you. When she said at the end, what are you hungry for? I want people to get hungry. I think in this this day and age that we're living in, that's what the Lord's calling us to do. You know, who who's with me? Yeah. Yeah. To be hungry for more of him. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, said, for, relationship. for relationship. Again, not religion, not Baptist, not Presbyterian, right. but right. the church. But just sitting, like, like I said, when I journal, that's when I hear him, mm-hmm. you know, that I start to write. And all of a sudden what I'm writing is really Holy Spirit driven. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. Robin driven. That's right. And when you do that, you just encounter him in a whole different way. So I think right now the challenge is really for all of us is to just stop right now and ask him for more. Whether you're in your car listening to this, whether you're on a walk, whether you're doing laundry, just stop and ask him for more. He wants to fill us. He wants to give us more. So that's my challenge to us to just be bold and do that. Yeah, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just, I thank you just as Tiffany spoke today and as Katie just said, we just ask you for more. We ask right now that Holy Spirit, you would blow our minds with something so unexpected and so different from today's story. So I thank you for every single woman listening and that you would just show up because that's who you are and that's what you do and you never fail us when we ask you to show up. In your name we pray, amen. 
Thanks for listening today. We love when you share our stories and when you subscribe. We have lots of new listeners. So if you want to get Storytellers Live podcast every week, you just hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us at storytellerslive.org and on social media at Storytellers Live Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And we would love for you to reach out and say hello. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.